朋友们，大家好。Hello, friends. Welcome to Spiritual Wai Mai. 欢迎来到属灵外卖 ，delivering the spiritual food to you wherever you are. 无论你在何处，我们为你速递属天灵粮。This spiritual Wai Mai is a part of a series entitled "Mission Accomplished: The Mission of Jesus Christ, as Told by Matthew and Now Lived Out by You and Me." In these final hours before Jesus's death, his focus is on relationship. The highlight of his last night together with his disciples is the moment they have around the table, as he reveals himself in the Passover bread and wine. At this meal, he formalizes his relationship with the disciples and all believers, as he presents the new covenant. But even on this night of deep relationship between Jesus. Who is Emmanuel, God with us? His closest friends would betray, desert, and deny him. Despite the human condition and propensity to be self-seeking, our God does not give up on building relationship with us. A betrayer exposed at the Passover feast. Curiously. At this special final meal together, Jesus openly states that there was a betrayer among them. Matthew chapter twenty-six, verses seventeen to twenty-five. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, "Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover?" He replied, "Go into the city." To a certain man, and tell him, the teacher says, "My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house." So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, "Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me." They were all very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, "Surely you don't mean me, Lord?" Jesus replied, "The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man! It would be better for him if he had not been born." Then Judas. The one who would betray him said, "Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi." Jesus answered, "You have said so." Sitting together around this sacred table, Jesus plainly states what is in Judas's heart: betrayal. The relationship Judas had with Jesus was not what it appeared to be. On the outside, Judas was a faithful disciple of Jesus. On the inside, he was a betrayer. Jesus knew the nature of the relationship with Judas, and at this critical moment, Jesus exposed it. Communing with Jesus, maybe Jesus had to bring to the light the deceit in Judas's relationship with him and the rest of the disciples before he could continue to share at the table one of the most sacred moments in history. A moment we as Christians remember and still participate in today, we commonly call this moment communion, when we commune or come together with our Lord and Savior Jesus. Communion means fellowship, 
a giving and receiving between two parties, an agreement. At this moment around the table, Jesus is going to invite the disciples into a deeper relationship with him. This relationship extends to us today. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 to 29. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Certainly, every year Jesus and his family and friends celebrated the Passover feast, remembering when God delivered the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt. Each year, from childhood, Jesus sat at the table with his family and friends. They drank the wine, remembering the blood of the Lamb that was placed on the doorpost of the house of the Jews. When the angel of death saw the mark of the blood on the door, he would pass over the house, and death would not come to their family. On this holiday, when they ate the special unleavened bread, they would have remembered the Jews' hasty flight out of Egypt to freedom. But this particular Passover, which was to be Jesus' last, was different. Jesus did not quote the familiar story of salvation out of Egypt to his disciples. He told them a new story of a new covenant. God's covenants from Noah to Jesus. The term covenant was very familiar to Jesus' disciples. God had built his relationship with his people on the structure of covenants. A covenant is a legal agreement that is also relational. The best example in our modern times of a covenant is a marriage certificate. The marriage certificate is a legally binding document, but it is more than just a contract between two parties. It also represents the personal love relationship between the husband and wife. Throughout the Bible, God had made covenants with his people. There are five major covenants that can be noted. Number one, Noahic covenant. God promises Noah that he will never again destroy the world with a flood. God gives a rainbow as a sign for the covenant. Number two, Abrahamic covenant. God promises Abraham that he will become a great nation that will be given the promised land of Israel. He also promises that the world would be blessed through Abraham's family. The sign of this covenant was circumcision. Number three, Mosaic Covenant God promises Israel that He will be their God and they will be His people. He will dwell with them and set them apart as a holy nation. The sign of this covenant is the Sabbath day of rest. Number four, Davidic Covenant God promises David that his family will always have a king on the throne. Number five, New Covenant The prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel wrote about a time coming that there will be a new covenant between God and his people. 
Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This new covenant was what Jesus was talking about that night with his disciples. The sign would be his death, resurrection, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. This covenant stretches to us and means that you and I can enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We belong to him and he belongs to us. We are forgiven and accepted through Christ. We are included in the new covenant. When we celebrate communion together, we are remembering this covenant we have with Jesus. When we receive the gift of salvation through the forgiveness of sins, we are changed. We are given a new nature and we have a new relationship with the Lord. This relationship is under the new covenant. So, at this table with his disciples on his final night, Jesus had relationship on his mind relationship with the disciples, but also relationship with the chosen people of Israel and all of us who have been adopted into God's family. When you think about your relationship with God, do you realize that you are in a covenant relationship? This is a serious, lasting relationship with Him that has come to you through faith in Jesus and by the grace of God. How serious are you taking this covenant relationship? Are you casual friends with Jesus? Or are you as committed to the relationship as Jesus is? Deserted and disowned, but the covenant still stands. At this moment in the storyline of Matthew, we will see that Jesus' disciples believe they are very serious about their relationship with him. Judas says, surely not I, Rabbi. And Peter and the rest of the disciples will make a bold statement about their loyalty to Jesus. But in a short amount of time, all of their bravado will become empty words. Matthew chapter 26, verses 30 to 35. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Judas wasn't the only one Jesus was calling out on his final night. Every single one of them was going to fall away. 
And Peter, the one with the grandest proclamation of selfless loyalty, was going to not just run away, but he would also deny Jesus three times. In the middle of Jesus' prediction about the disciples' lack of commitment in their relationship, he says something hopeful. Though they will all fall away, he said that a restoration would be coming. After his resurrection, he would go ahead of them to Galilee. The relationship wasn't over. His covenant with them would last, even if they deserted or denied him. Unfortunately for Judas, though, this was a different story. Jesus said that it would be better if Judas had never been born. And by the time Jesus met up with the disciples again in Galilee, Judas will have killed himself. This is a tragedy. But for the other disciples, there's hope. The relationship would continue despite their failings. This truly is the power and miracle of the covenants. Through the ties of the covenants with Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David, the Israelites fell away again and again, but were always called back. They denied their God over and over, yet He constantly came back to them and offered forgiveness. The relationship He extended towards them was stronger than their failings. And so it is with us. We may fail Jesus, but He will never fail us. The new covenant stands, and if we are in Christ, we are also in the new covenant. Jesus' honest and surrendered relationship with the Father. After focusing on his relationship with the disciples, Jesus now turns to the relationship he has with the Father. In their intimate relationship, Jesus pours out his heart three times, and each time he surrenders to his Father's will. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground, and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Three times Jesus prayed, asking the Father to take this cup from him. Jesus knew his purpose in life. He was not shrinking back from what he was called to do, but he was being honest. 
presenting his heart before the Father and also clearly stating that the Father's will was Jesus' heart's desire. I wonder if Jesus needed these three prayer times to give him the strength to endure the hours ahead. Before he could fully surrender himself to the cross, he had to be surrendered to the Father's will. After this prayer time, Jesus set his face like a flint, facing towards the cross, and he did not turn back. He even told the disciples that if he wanted to, he could summon 72,000 angels, that is, 12 legions of angels, to defend him. But he did not. He clearly and forcefully told the disciples that all that lie ahead for him had been prophesied, and he would not step away from what was prepared for him. Matthew chapter 26 verses 47 to 56. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think... I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. On this final day, when Jesus was so focused on relationship with his disciples, his betrayer came to him with an intimate greeting, a kiss. Jesus responded by calling Judas friend and then giving him the freedom to do what he was about to do. Jesus did not force Judas to abandon his devious plan. Strangely, the love Jesus had for Judas was expressed by giving Judas the freedom to make his own choice. The disciples then made a brave but misguided move of drawing swords. Jesus was quick to correct this. Devotion to Jesus would not come through violence toward others, but through a life surrendered to the Father. In the moment of his arrest, Jesus twice said that he would fulfill what the scriptures said about him. He was submitted to God's plan and ready to go. And the scene ends with all of his disciples abandoning him. He is now alone with his enemies and the Father. The relationship with his disciples was being tested, and the disciples were not passing the test. But Jesus was faithful. He would not give up on them. He would go to the cross even if they abandoned him, for he was submitted to the Father and committed to the new covenant. 
the relationship with the eleven disciples would survive this moment, and in the future, these disciples would embrace this new covenant and follow Jesus to their death. They would give up their lives, declaring and fighting in the Spirit for this covenant relationship. Your covenant relationship with Jesus. The relationship you have with Jesus Christ is the most important relationship of your life. Have you received salvation from Jesus? Are you a part of the new covenant? If so, are you living life in the embrace of this powerful covenant? Even if you feel you have fallen away, the covenant stands and Jesus welcomes you back to renew your relationship with him. Thanks for having some spiritual limey with us. We hope that you liked it and that it fed your soul. And we hope you come back for some more. We love ya.